0: Nicolas Cage is probably one of our generation's definitive actors.
1: Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting, it's your main man Andy Gillard here, hope everyone's keeping well in the world right now.
2: What a go on everybody, Matt Guy here, hope everyone is having a splendid bank holiday weekend.
3: Doesn't deserve to be brought up does he, ever again, that word. Hello everyone.
1: <laughs> Fellas, are we okay? I mean, obviously this is dropping on bank holiday Monday but we are recording on the bank holiday weekend. Um, have we enjoyed the sunshine? It feels like summer is finally upon us.
2: It's beautiful. It's everyone's in a happier mood when the sun's out, unless your sunburnt of course. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's nice just to just have a bit of sun. Hopefully, it stays a while, and we can get the beer gardens out again and have a sink a few pints.
3: For um for the listeners at home, obviously not here. Um, these two are both wearing black vests, looking like some kind of Legion of Doom ripoff, and it's 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 quite <laughs> disturbing to be honest.
2: Legion of Doom bar, what we'll be. <laughs> If we, if we, if we're anything, what do you not think? Do you not think me and Andy look devilishly handsome
3: in our best shoe? If you were in a certain type of bar, I suppose. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> I've no. just
1: realised in my camera how fucking pale I look. I'm like almost glow in the dark. I am that white currently. I thought,
2: I thought the ISO settings on my webcam were all out of kilter.
3: <laughs> he's, he's just part albino he <laughs> yeah. I've
2: got a uh, I've got a story to tell I just want to tell a quick a quick story while I'm while we're uh, talking about the sunshine and being out and about and what the, about the clothes we're wearing so I've been in Liverpool for a wedding this week and um it's the first time in got to be 18 months I've I've worn a suit and Tom Kearney, a good friend of the show was also wearing a suit we were both dressed in three piece Navy suits walking around Liverpool City Centre at about ten in the evening. Uh we walk across this band of youths, meddlesome <laughs> youths in the street, and I thought to myself, fucking hell, here we go. We're about to we're about better, we're gonna get bummed here. We're gonna get beaten up, bummed, and left for dead. Um and this is this is this is northern hospitality summed up in one conversation. We walked past and all we heard was, Hey mate, yo's look fucking dapper. And, that's, <laughs> and, it was, and i was just like oh thank you very much that's very nice of you and that was it we didn't get beaten up we didn't get nothing he just just paid us a compliment in the street it's just it's been a class week brilliant it's
3: Incredible. nice of uh, paulo grady to make an appearance on the podcast then absolutely <laughs> do you think that was a good impression just i thought it was it was it was as bad as you were making it out to be to be honest Yeah, I was quite impressed.
2: That part of the world, I'm pretty good at. It's when we get into like the realms of Scotland, I'm not so good with.
1: It's awful because wherever I am in the UK, whenever I'm talking to anyone, I notice myself slowly slipping into their accent. Mm. (laughs) Um, And they they fucking hate that in Scotland. They, They do not like to hear my cod Scotch accent at all. They also don't like it when I call them Scotch either, so I should probably not do that, but there we are.
3: It's like Blake, the, uh, the human language sponge <laughs> that he is.
1: Yes, Blake from California, if I remember correctly, who's got Irish, the, the most travelling accent I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> so, fellas, we are here to discuss a brand new film that was released on the 21st of May this very year. So, the year is... I'm taking you back here. 2004, a film has just landed. It's a zombie movie. In fact, it's the first zombie movie that a young Andrew Gillard has seen in an actual cinema. If you can remember what cinemas are. That film was a remake of the 1978 classic Dawn of the Dead. It was a feature film debut for that director and people sat up and took notice of this new name in horror, Zack Snyder. Except it didn't turn out to be a new name in horror because it took 17 years before Zack Snyder returned to Dance with the Dead. And that would be 2021, the year of the Snyder, as it's turned out so far. <laughs> that is when he finally returned to the world of The Walking Dead with his hybrid genre bender of a movie, Army of the Dead. It's a hoist film set in a post-apocalyptic Las Vegas before we get into uh, Army of the Dead, what did you think of Dawn of the Dead, the remake? We fans, not fans. Where did you lie on that uh, scale?
2: I enjoyed it. I mean, at this point, was this the catalyst of that zombie uh, resurrection? No put intended. Um, or things it like, like Twenty Eight yeah. Days Later, and, <clears throat> and that had that already come by this point.
1: They were both out in 2004, if I remember correctly. So mm. they sort of went hand in hand in bringing zombies into the 21st century.
2: If I remember, because I haven't seen it probably, it's got to be 10, 10 years now. I think this is what inspired, um, Christ, what are the name of the games? Dead Rising, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the game when it's in the shopping mall, um, yes. if I remember correctly. Um, and it started that wave of decreasing quality zombie um, zombie films, basically. I mean, you've got to admire it on its cultural impression alone
1: then in that case. Mm. Stu, were you a fan of um, the, the Dawn
3: remake? Yeah, I think very similar to you. I can't remember a zombie film before this that I watched in the cinema, to be honest. No. Even though it was, what, 20, 21 at the time? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when I said before about American Werewolf in Paris, where me and Dean sneaked in underage because he looked about forty. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I liked it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we mentioned it a few weeks, a few months ago near here that I was. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember that which one it, it was called, the one in the shopping mall. And I enjoyed it. I thought it was it was silly. It was fun. It was everything you wanted a film like that to be, especially at the time and not having anything like that. Well, in the space of the last twenty years anyway, from from when we saw it. So yeah, I mean, I I don't think I've seen it again since. But that's no that's no judgment on how much I liked it because I really I probably should go back and find it and watch it again because I did enjoy it at the time.
1: Yeah, um the script is by James Gunn and I didn't really know who James Gunn was then. But obviously you see him now and I love his work. I think his script work is just sensational. He always brings a good sense of fun to the movie. And I think that's exactly what he did there. The other thing that that film bought, <clears throat> as far as I'm aware, in 2004, with 28 Days and with Dawn of the Dead, that was the evolution of the zombie. That is when we got the storm in the teacup that was the fast zombie. Mm. Prior to that, zombies shambled and just meandered after you. With that, that was when they would get up and chase you down. And I remember a lot of people hated it purely because zombies mm. shouldn't run. What are your opinions on fast-moving zombies? It's
2: a tough
3: one. Well, it's it's like white men can't jump. They can, and it, it happens. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. It was why and when was day z z z whatever when was that about 10 years later something something like that um yeah and obviously the book of that was probably run about the same kind of time no it's just different see? there's no these things do not exist so it doesn't matter that's <laughs> that's the main answer isn't it yeah that's very true
2: <laughs> yeah i mean i prefer my zombies to be your typical slow cumbersome anyone can outpace them kind of zombies but i i think the way that they're always sold when it when they are fast zombies is that they, they've never died they're just an infection causing the nervous system to go um and it seemed like the two are kind of always mutually exclusive of, of, of each other um Maybe it's because in in like the fast moving zombie world, they're more akin to to more of kind of jump jump out thrillers, whereas the slow moving zombies probably be more akin to a horror, straight up horror kind of genre because of how they're going to scare you. Uh, mm. I'm not sure, but I do prefer the the you know the shambles. I'm um, hungover zombie. To be fair,
1: <laughs> I think that it makes sense that when a person first turns into a zombie. They've still got their body asses, so it would mm. move quicker. And then, obviously, as they age, their body would slow down, much like a normal human body would do, mm. um, because they don't have the blood pump in, the muscles would decay and atrophy. So, I think it does, I think it makes sense on a biological level. I know uh, we're talking about a ridiculous uh, uh, fantasy world, but
2: I'm trying to look for my, what I consider the. Quintessential Bible of zombies, and basically, what this book says goes. And I'm trying to find where on the shelf it is.
1: Is it the Max Brooks one?
2: Um, one, mo- one moment, caller. <laughs>
3: he's really looking for the zombie head that he, he bought back from Liverpool. That's, that's it. That's, yeah. that's what really happened to them kids. <laughs> and he'll, unless he listens to this, you will never know that we're talking about him. Mm. He's killed, and that's why he's wearing a vest because all his clothes are in the wash. <laughs> Here he is. I appreciate that. That doesn't make
2: pretty exciting podcasting, but yes, it is. <laughs> yes, really. this is
1: Max Brooks, it's great. I I really enjoyed that. Max Brooks has written a couple of the the zombie world um, survival guide type things, if I remember correctly. Uh, very very good writer.
2: I'm hoping that this will serve me. While silly now, in the future, I <laughs> will be the one <laughs> laughing. To be honest
1: that's the plan. <clears throat> yeah, he's quite a prolific uh, zombie writer. He did The Extinction Parade, which is a really good comic book series um 2014, that's gone very quick, but yeah, excellent stuff. And he's also the guy behind World War Z or World War Z if you're from England. <clears throat> yeah, right, but... World Wars, World War Z. <laughs> so, yep, yeah, uh preconceptions about Army of the Dead, had you seen much of it going into this movie or was this did you go in completely blind Stu?
3: I saw the picture of Zombie Tiger and knew I was going to watch it so from then on (coughs) went in blind
1: (laughs) Matt, did you uh, see much about it leading up to it?
2: I'd seen a very early trailer for it um, and decided not to watch any more because I didn't want any overriding preconceptions and, and trying to kind of taint anything about it. I mean, it looked anything Vegas-related, really, I'm down for, to be honest, in any capacity. So I knew I was going to watch it, um, and I just thought it would be a big, bombastic rump going mm. into it, to be honest.
1: Yeah, very much the same. The trailer that they released, I can't remember if it was the first or the second one, where they did it to the soundtrack of The Gambler, the Kenny Rogers song. I loved that, and then obviously seeing the the zombie tiger, like it was genuinely quite exciting. I was really, really looking forward to this movie. But yeah, we'll we'll get into it in a sec. So the synopsis of the film: after a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble by venturing into the quarantine zone for their greatest heist ever.
3: <clears throat> They're not what you think they are. They're smarter. They're
1: faster. They're organised. What is this? It's a goddamn zombie tiger. So obviously from this point onwards, a spoiler alert is in effect. We're probably going to cover the main beat to this movie, so if you don't want it spoiling, just hit pause and come back to us when you've finished. <laughs> that sounds like a <laughs> in.
2: Of- is going down. i mean, Beirut, not... After park, well, what's going on outside?
3: You know, when you when you just said, "I've read the book, uh, I'm ready." <laughs> no, that, that's the
2: Snyder and are... his Snyder and his team. <clears throat> planes are
3: falling Consensive. from the sky.
1: <laughs> uh, yep, yeah, if you want to stick around and listen to what we've got to say, and then make your own mind up on whether or not you want to buy that, we will give you our thoughts. Good, bad and indifferent on this one. So I think we should start really with what we enjoyed about this movie. Um Going in, immediately, before I even knew this was Snyder, I knew it was Dave Batista, and that's reason enough for me to give a film a chance. And I actually thought he was decent in this movie. I I'm like I was genuinely invested in his story, which isn't something I can say for all of the characters, but I thought he was really good. What did we think of the the acting in this one? Is there anyone stood out or good or I'm, bad in this?
2: I'm not sure where Batista gets this carte blanche from, because apart from Guardians of the Galaxy and, and Stuber, is it? Stuber? Yeah. Is that the name of it? I'm not massively over enamored by him to be honest and i should be as like the the wrestling the wrestling um bias but i just don't really i don't see it i don't think he's a i don't think he's a very exciting or any i don't he's got the charisma of a i don't know of a shuffling zombie i just <laughs> i don't see it change my mind
1: see i'm completely the opposite with him because i He's not The Rock. He isn't that big, bombastic actor. Mm. He's more of a... He's almost a character actor, but he looks like an Adonis, which is quite unusual because generally the bigger the muscles, the Mm. smaller the interest in their actual acting. But he... Like, having heard him on a few podcasts, he seems to genuinely appreciate the art of acting to sound like a wanker for a minute. Like, he's genuinely putting the hours to become a good actor and not just be... Big muscle man
3: to stand there and look muscly Yes, I mean from my point of view, of not really knowing him from wrestling. I mean, obviously, I knew of him, but didn't know know him because I wasn't in it at all at that time. I've even I've got it here. I mean, after this, it's a shame that it's he's not ten years younger because mm. he could do shitloads of these films, and I'll I'd be I'd watch every single one of them because I I, thought, I loved him, and I thought he was great.
1: Anyone else in the cast that you particularly liked?
3: The um, the helicopter woman who wasn't supposed to be in it,
1: Tignataro. Yeah, yeah, she was great, and I didn't realise until Dave Evans, friend of the podcast, uh, he sent me a link saying that she was replacing Krista Leah, who is an absolute fucking monster. Um, so she was never on set with anyone. Dave Batista hasn't even met her yet. I never would have guessed they did a really good job covering of that.
2: Hmm. I mean, Matthias Schweighöfer, he was quite um, entertaining. And his kind of relationship with Amari Hardwick's character was very funny. And that gave, I mean, it's very tropey though, isn't it? You kind of, they all fit into a nice predetermined, as is the thing with heist films, you know, you've always got the bagman, you've always got the locksmith, you've always got the the man with the Gatling gun, not Gatling gun if it's a heist film for fuck's sake, but you know what I mean. You've always got like archetypal roles, and they all fit in quite nicely. But but the way that they bounced off each other, especially those two, I thought was was quite entertaining. Gave it a bit of a bit of heart amongst the um, amongst the chaos. Mm-hmm.
3: It was it was such an eighties film for that kind of thing mm-hmm. where everyone everyone was cast, and you knew exactly what they were going to be like. The, the the camp German, who's <laughs> you had the muscle, like you said, about, you had the, the camp German, you had the muscle. I mean, you wanted I mean, her being in that role being recast was different because obviously, originally, it was a normal helicopter pilot, normal brackets. Um, you had the eye candy as well, and it was like an 80s film. Now, I think that's probably why I loved it so much,
1: <laughs> probably, yeah. I thought the dynamics of the team in general was really good. I thought the team that Batista built up, so um, Ward, his name was, Ward's team, I felt that everyone had their role within it. And yes, it was very generic in the terms of the film, but the way they worked together, I thought, worked really well on screen. Mm. Like They did have a purpose to be there. It wasn't just a case of we just need numbers. They They did have reasoning behind it. I think that worked quite well.
3: Yeah, even the um, even the Terminator being an arsehole again in, in yet another role as the um, the the uh, company man with the with the uh, with the glasses. Mm-hmm. He was in Sarah Connor Chronicles, Matty, looking quite confused there.
2: I'm just um, staring at pictures of um, Nora Arzen Zeda
3: at the moment. It's, a, it's another one for the body bag. <laughs> yeah, we, he was. Um, I thought he was quite funny. I mean, I know we've seen him in it a couple of things before. Look, mm. yeah, he's just going to play an arsehole again, you? And he did. Mm. Perfectly.
1: I, yeah, I like Garrett Dillahunt. I think he's a really good comic actor. And most of the things I've seen him in have been comedies. So to see him in this... He's always been a bit of a dick, but to see him in this type of role was a bit of a departure for me. But it worked perfectly. I thought he did really well. Another thing that I really enjoyed about this film... <clears throat> I liked the hierarchy within the zombies. Mm. So the the way they had these like three tiers to a, how the zombies live, basically. So you had your king zombie, Zeus. You had his group of alphas. So they were like the... If he's Zeus, they're the gods of Mount Olympus, basically. And anyone who the alphas turned were just shamblers. So they're just the normal people. Mm. I thought that was a really clever thing. I don't think they explored it enough, if I'm being brutally honest. But if we get to see more of that, I'm quite invested in where that could go, and that's very interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, skipping skipping very much to the end. The only way that they can drag a second film out of this is by doing backstories and then backstories and then the immediate present and backstories, then the immediate present because they can't do the same film again. Right. Um
1: no, I wouldn't put it past him. Though. Well, no, unless
2: <laughs> unless some of what people think this film actually is happens, but we'll get onto that a little later. But um, yeah, th- they felt like an actual, uh, and I mean this in the nicest way possible for for a Zack Snyder film. Their film, this, it felt like actually some thought was put into it, and there was an actual plot, which was quite nice, <laughs> and like they've, they've 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 put a bit of depth into what's going on, and. Um, it didn't feel 100% like you You can just switch off and just watch it for, for funny, gory deaths.
1: Mm. Are you going to say something, Stu?
3: No, I was going to say, because I mean, you, you will we'll mention it later, you can quite easily take this for a, a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, infinite-item films. But, um, yeah, we'll leave it to later.
1: I, I, actually, I that is a good point, though. No, I do think they opened up quite a few possibilities, which I do think is a bonus, because... Obviously, there is this alien element to it. So there is a universe of stories that can be told with where this goes. It doesn't have to stay in the, the horror zombie genre. So obviously, when the zombies get killed, you see this blue light that dies within their eyes. And they're saying that this is some kind of alien entity that's been that's what's brought the zombie plague to Earth. Well there was, also there were oh, ships. Yeah. There were ships in one of the scenes.
2: Yeah, there's UFOs at the start, isn't there?
1: There are quite a lot of little hints here and there where they could take this off in any direction. So right at the beginning, we see them leaving what we assume is Area 51, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Where they're leaving Area 51, obviously that's got the history with aliens and everything. But Zeus, the king zombie, he's wearing dog tags. So it looks as though that the American government were experimenting on their own. So there's like a conspiracy film there that they could do quite easily. You've got the alien film that you could do there. They have opened up a, a world of possibilities, which is something I wouldn't really associate with Zack Snyder. He doesn't tend to give that much of a thought to these things. He's very tunnel visioned into what looks good rather than the story being half decent for a change. Hmm. Mm. Uh, what the going back to the the beginning of the film? I actually thought the first act of this movie was excellent. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was probably one of Zack Snyder's strongest starts to any film. I thought the opening ten minutes with Zeus breaking free and ending up in uh, Zombie I loved the scene where he where Zeus was in Zombieland and you were seeing the heroes of the film interspersed with them, stood there holding a photograph of who they really are. So, like, um, Omari's character, whose name escapes me at the moment, he was a philosophy graduate. And you see him stood there holding a picture of him graduating university, and then it cuts to him with a chainsaw ripping through zombies. I thought, was really well done. The whole bit where uh, Tanaka comes in and gives them the job on what to do. It doesn't make sense that Tanaka doesn't give them the code to break into the vault because it's (laughs) his vault. So that doesn't make sense. But I'll let that one slide. I love the scene where they're explaining what's going to happen within, I was going to call it Zombieland, but within Las Vegas. And the camera is panning around all of the heroes doing the Avengers shot. And I just wondered for a minute, is that a big fuck you to uh, Joss Whedon? <laughs> is that Zack Snyder giving the middle finger to Joss Whedon? But yeah, I loved the beginning to this film. I thought it was absolutely superb. Yeah. What did you guys think of it?
2: It was it was great. I mean, I love a montage of like the world falling apart and I think they did it really well and they got in all of the Vegas elements in it that you expect as well. And, you know, how often have we had um, a zombie film given this kind of budget to be able to just go fucking shit crazy with it as much as they want. And he, if you're going to allow one person to do that, you'd want it to be Zack Snyder in that respect, because you know you're going to be seeing something visually um, mm. visually spectacular. Although I'm sure it's in your notes about the dead pixel thing. Have you read about that?
1: I saw the headline and I skipped over it, uh, but carry on because... As we'll get on to, I got a little bit bored reading about this film.
2: Well, one my my uh, manager at work, we were talking about the film, and he said, mm, I've, "I've only just bought this new telly, sixty-five inch, like top of the range telly." And there's a few, there was a few pixels on the screen that were just completely like blank. And I was like, "Oh, I hope it's not your telly, mate." I'm sure there's like other people who must have had it. And then I read about it, and it was like for some reason the the, the what the, what they brought out on Netflix had a had a fault on it where a few of the pixels on the screen were dead for people. Just odd, an odd thing to have.
1: It's something to do with the brand new camera that Snyder was using. Apparently, um, it got really techy when I was reading about it, which is mm. why I got bored reading. Because it was, it's more of a stew thing, to be perfectly honest. Oh yes, that, that shouldn't
3: because how can that happen then? Because it's if you're talking about dead pixels on the in the actual transfer image, then it would look different depending on the size of the screen, surely. I would have uh, thought so. Yeah, I mean, I watch it on maybe that's why. Because there is no <laughs> pixels, X. I I watched it on a projector, and there was no. I didn't see anything like that, not one. So maybe it's it's how it's how the HDR and the um, stuff like that works with certain brands of telly. Mm-hmm. As long as they exactly. don't stick, it's is really a problem. But I've never heard of anything like that before.
2: I mean, don't get me wrong; it's it's more more one of those. Uh, slight um, inc- inc- inconvenience as long as you don't think your tally's broke. <laughs> so it's just <for>
1: <laughs> Was there anything else that stood out for you guys as has been something you particularly loved about this movie? You
3: know, I ate a whole bag of popcorn in half hour. So I was, was so <laughs> excitable. And it was sweet and salty this time because that's all I had in one stop on the day. So I kind of bowed down to uh, a few guests mentioning a bit of salt. So, But... I just, I just, it was just enjoyable. Like, there's nothing really to. So yeah, you can't. This is going to be a masterpiece. He's going to wear everything because it's obviously not. It. I mean, it's, well, I mean, Dean summed it up perfectly when he two word answer. When I said, it, "Have you seen it?" Expected him to hate it, and he said, "Glorious nonsense." <laughs> and right. That's that's what it was. That's why. That's what I expected it to be, and that's what I got.
1: Mm. Matt. Anything on your positives list?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm usually hypercritical of, of um, films that try to be a jack of all trades and master of none. Mm. Um, but I actually think they did a pretty good job in this of when they wanted to ramp up tension, ramp up tension and do it quite well. The scene where they are trying to make a path through all the hibernating zombies, I thought they did a pretty pretty good job of that. That seemed like a throwback to um God, what film did it remind me of? Not because it's zombies, but remember that scene in the original Resident Evil where they've got to try and get through all of the lasers, yeah, it just mm-hmm. remind I had the same tense feeling about it like that, and then when they want to be funny, it's funny, but when they want to bring in kind of the emotions i for someone like Zack Snyder, who's got the subtlety of a of an elephant traveling through Wittard to Chelsea. Is You know what I mean? He, he's not a subtle guy when it comes to what he tries to do, but I actually think it was done surprisingly well. You know, as we'll get onto plot-wise, when there's when there's certain deaths, it's done in a, not a sensitive way, but it's done in a, you know, when it's meant to be heartfelt, it's heartfelt, and it's not something I usually attribute with, with his work. So I find it a massive positive, to be, mm, I,
1: I, to be honest. I liked all of the scenes where they were fighting hordes of zombies. Mm-hmm. I thought they were all done really, really well. As you say, the tension was ratcheted up. They, they managed to keep it a decent pace as well, going through those. They started off slow and built it up. It did a really good job. So the scene where the first person gets killed, first person of the crew gets killed, I can't remember her name, the one where she's tiptoeing through yep. and Garrett Dillahunt's character is sent to the wrong way, that scene was excellent. Like I, I was genuinely bricking it for her at one point. I thought she's going to get caught. And you think she's finally got caught and then all of a sudden she just burst through the window to be with the team one last time to try and fight them off. I thought that was fantastic. And then there was a the scene where they're actually fighting within the casino as well. When the street hood dude, when he gets killed. Again, yeah, that, I thought it was done perfectly.
2: That's straight out of a computer game level, that is. If they, if they turn that into a game... That's going in like shot for shot because it just felt so much like something out of a computer
3: game. Completely, well, the, the one where she jumps through the window—that's exactly. It's almost a complete. No, well, pardon the It's a mirror of the dog scene in the first Resident Evil game. Hmm.
1: Yeah, hmm. of course it is. Yeah. Hmm. Um, what was that? I was going to say something there, i completely lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, <clears throat> I thought they did a. Re- it was a really clever thing that when they first got into Las Vegas and they paid their penance to the, to the zombie king, that they then went straight inside rather than was walking through the city. Because there's no way on earth that it was a $90 million budget. There's no way they could have filmed in Las Vegas on the streets. Even during a pandemic, there's going to be people around. So they did a really sensible thing of saying, well, we can't be out here. Let's move it inside. So I think that everything they did made sense. It didn't feel like it was just shoehorned in. Mm. I thought that was quite clever, and again, not something I necessarily associate with Snyder movies.
3: Yeah, and even even how they how they walled it off, just using shipping containers. It's genius because I mean, Mm. you ain't going to be like unless you were like Trump and build an actual wall, which is impractical. How hey, else are you going to keep a load of zombies who, who are not going to listen to you? Just drop shit on them. I thought it was a brilliant idea. Mm, was it? It worked. Mm.
2: Uh, did it? No, I know it did, but that that was where the start of the kind of oh, I, mm, yeah, okay, we like we're gonna have to just leave 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 the sense at the door, are we? Number one, the first thing that where I noticed that was part of the film is when the t- trained. Special forces operator trips up like Mr. Bean and fires his gun in the middle of the desert. Like they've <laughs> run away, they've escaped. Oh, butterfingers, bang, 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 bang. And like now I've given away my position. Come on now. That's not going to happen. But
1: <laughs> there we go. So, on to more of the bad side of things now. Um, one thing that pissed me off straight off the bat when they got into Vegas and the coyote said to them about the the hibernatings when well, no, they weren't hibernated, they'd been stood out in the sun, so they had basically died again. Almost, they had their body had degenerated even further. And they said, "Oh, but when it rains, you'll see it come back to life." And then it doesn't fucking rain.
3: Yeah, 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 like,
1: yeah. Why tell us that? Why load Chekhov's gun and then not pull the trigger?
3: I thought they were gonna. I thought that was going to come back as like a sprinkler system in the hotel. Mm. That's where I thought. And that was in the back of my mind. Every, every time they were blowing shit up all the time, I thought, don't do it. You know, what's yeah. going on? You've been told about this and it never happened. I, I quite liked that, to, giving it a bit of a bit of uh, jeopardy that never, that didn't matter. I quite liked that, to be honest.
1: It's not for me. Don't foreshadow something and then not pay it off. It pissed me off, that did. Because that's all I could think about for the rest of the film <laughs> is, mm. when is this storm coming to wake up all of these zombies? And it never happened. Well, I, I
2: saw it the other way like some kind of they're gonna fall from a great height into that the famous fountain in Vegas and then they'd all crawl out of the the fountain Do you know what I mean you know the mm. outside the Bellagio I think it is um, yeah've got the famous I thought something was gonna happen there it was a massive centerpiece uh, and it never happened Like in <laughs> gremlins and basically yeah yeah um which is just a bit of a shame really but I I, I wish and I know that they can build it up in a second, third, fourth, but I just wish there was a little bit more context to what was going on. You know, we're we're just, I suppose, much like how the characters are, we're just forced into it, and we've got to force to kind of make our own minds up about it as it's going along. But
1: mm.
2: I think all the good stuff about this society of zombies, let's say, and how they operate, and that there's a there's a general hierarchy there, just a bit of explanation, a bit of backstory would have wouldn't have gone amiss, I think.
1: Mm. It was very superficial. And I I mean that across the board. Everything you've just said, that was superficial. But actually, the characters in it possibly needed a little bit more development Mm. over the course of a film. Like, I mean, Batista was driven by the fact that he had to kill his partner because she turned into a zombie and he thinks that's how he's going to make it up with his daughter. Just give me a little bit more character development than that. Mm. And, And that was it, like... Dieter, the, the, the German dude What was his motivation Other than money And and that was pretty much the motivation For most characters was just money Except for he's uh, The woman who, like the first person That Batista goes to um, Cruz. The reason she's there, we then later find out She's there because she loves Batista Like she thinks they could end up having a relationship And then she immediately gets fucking killed <laughs> So that doesn't pay off. And ultimately throughout the film, had she never said that line about actually having feelings for him, I would never have guessed, because at no point in the film is it even intimated. Mm. That relationship is never more than them just being, I say brother in arms, but, you know, obviously brother and sister in arms. That was pretty much all their relationship was. Is so it's this really poor, that was. Is this then
2: the overwhelming critique of Snyder and his and his scriptwriters that he has on board and his direction is that he needs about four hours to tell a story when anybody else <laughs> can do it in two.
1: Yeah, massively. I mean, even going back to, um, obviously, the, the four-hour epic of Justice League, it took him a long time to actually tell a story that <clears throat> probably could have been told in two hours. And I think this film could easily have had 45 minutes cut out of it. And and two and a half hours for this very basic story is, it's just unquestionably shit.
3: I don't know how how it is as long as it is, but to me, I mean, to me, it didn't feel that long at all. I was quite surprised. I was, I had I had double piss um, preparation for this because I didn't want to stop watching it at any time. <laughs> and I thought, hmm, let's just settle down, let's just get through it. So that's why that's why I loaded the popcorn up as well, just in case because it's it's been a while. And um, it never once felt long to me at all. But like you said, <laughs> nothing really happened.
2: You've heard that before, haven't you, Stu? Many a time. It doesn't. It's never felt long, and nothing really happens. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean, though. it's like I, I was. I wasn't necessarily ever bored through it, and it never felt like two and a half hours. But at the same time, I'm not. I'm not really sure that I could talk you through it scene by scene and walk you through it because it's one of those, it's a bit forgettable at parts, even though it's Mm. quite big and grandiose.
1: Yeah. I I echo the sentiments of, I was never bored, but at the same time I was never wholly excited. Of course you aren't. (laughs) (laughs) It was just very even keel throughout. It was just Mm. fine-ish.
2: Yeah. I'm going to completely contradict myself here. Um, you know how I said earlier about Jack of all trades, master and none, like they had a really good kind of thing going with the, um, or they could have done if they went down like the district nine route with like the, you know, the camps outside and they've got these people that are there on the outside checking to see if they're exposed and they've got the virus. And it's never really, it's never really explored or it's just, it's a shame really because he introduced these really interesting elements and you know, they're, they mention it and i thought it was a direct dig at tenet i know that's just because i want it to be when he starts talking (laughs) about is this an infinite loop where we're all doomed to die in the end and blah 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 and he makes a joke out of it and i just thought oh that's a that's a that's a little snippet about tenet this is and about about how how futile it all is and that they're always coming back to this moment and dying at this very spot and then the conspiracy theories came out about a time loop as well with this film Mm -hmm. um which i thought was really entertaining and I think they explore so many things, but then kind of cut it off at the source, which is a bit of a shame.
1: Mm. Could you imagine how terrible Tenet would be directed by Zack Snyder? <laughs> it would be eight hours long for a fucking
2: start. <laughs> it would be, to be fair. Um, I need, you know what, in the cold light of day, maybe I need to see Tenet again without having its bigger, more successful brother in Inception
3: behind like like a week earlier. Hmm. You you can't spoil perfection, can you? So there's no point even talking about it, even changing it one bit. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, to completely change the subject and just talk about tennis for a while, because why the fuck not? Um, yeah, I, you do. And I'm not one for this kind of idea, but you do need to go in there just not thinking about it. Because if you analyse it, it just it doesn't make sense. And I think that at the beginning of the film, they do tell you basically... Don't think about it, because it's bollocks. And that's the kind of... That's the the mindset you've got to go in there with, I think.
3: And the mindset you go into this film with as well. And a lot of films like this, that... like, It's similar with The Walking Dead as well. It's never really explained how it happens. I know you have the CDC stuff in Season 1, but it's never explained where it came from and why or how. It just did. So get on with it. Hmm. It's not really a point of the film, is it? It's not really... the point of the law it's happened and it's what ha- happens afterwards is what counts
2: hmm. i just i just don't believe that there's Z- the zeus the zombie which sounds terrible um who can beat the best that the american special forces have to offer can be contained by some shipping containers around vegas like when, like I want to see more of the, the shit going down and how they they contain them all in because I just don't think it would have happened. I think it's completely unrealistic from the off.
3: Well, no, no. Good. Obviously, some of them would have escaped. It's like when if you wait for ant season in a, in a few weeks and get some get some preparation and get some matchboxes and try and contain some ants with matchboxes and see what happens. In inevitably, some will get through the cracks and some will escape. But then you just boil them with a kettle. But they'll stay inside, guaranteed. Unless well, they that... start climbing on each other like World War Z. But that's not this film, is it? They can't that... climb the stupid.
1: That's our Peter sponsorship down the pan. <laughs> 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 Zeus was not really a zombie as such. He was a superman almost. I mean, Zack Snyder has a fucking hard-on for having a Christ-like figure in all of his films. Mm. He just has, he's got a messiah complex. Like, it's quite obvious about this. And that's what Zeus was. So, to put these shipping containers around him, you are right. Like, he could have punched through those quite fucking easily. It's not like he was just talking about a normal man. So, yeah, I don't think it actually makes sense, now you've mentioned it. Like, Zeus is so much more than just a normal person turned zombie he's mm. a superman turned zombie
2: I mean I loved the stuff around making a blood sacrifice to them and that mm. there's a society there I thought it was excellent I loved that side of it and I just wanted more of it and I'm pretty sure that's exactly what I said about Saksiders Justice League they do some really good things just do it better What?
3: um so what if he was happy being in his own walled in kingdom and being left alone
2: that's the way it seemed like yeah. to be fair, but I don't know. We're so, we're so akin to seeing like zombies that um, only one can be the, the, that starts the chain of events that causes the world to end. So the fact that like others will have escaped and then it will be fine. is just something that we're just not used to with this genre. Do you know what I mean? There's, mm-hmm. like, and, and I know, and so, um, and well, we've said spoilers already, so we can talk about it and it's, if you haven't paused at this point, you're never going to, so it's fine. <laughs> um, the way it's left when he when he leaves, and now he's going to run amok when he comes off, going to get off the plane. Um, the world will hopefully go to shit, but we see it in like other areas of the world now if there are going to be any, any, any sequels to it. What I do wonder, though, is uh, for some of the things that we talk about, Snyder-wise and some of his flaws, I'm wondering if because it was a Netflix feature that he's been reined in in some areas or he's had an over like an overriding supervision to try and kind of keep the film on track or, or something like that. It'd be interesting to know if how much of an impact, you know, the, Mm. the, the financial overlords had on what he did.
1: I mean, all, all stories about Netflix ventures tends to be that the creators get carte blanche almost, Mm. So whatever Snyder wanted, as long as he can do it within that $90 million budget, it's on him to to do it if he wants. That's why I think a lot of the TV shows, they're always like at least one episode too many. Yeah. Because it's just the excesses of of saying you can do what you want. So they always did that little bit too much. And Zack Snyder's always done that anyway, like regardless. So to do it for something like this, it was always going to be that little bit too much. What do we think about Zeus having a queen and zombies being able to have babies? And all that <laughs> shit. like I I was really confused watching that stuff. Like I don't quite I don't know it. That felt too much and it felt unnecessary to me.
2: Mm, I assumed she was pregnant before she turned. Yeah, yeah. But they've come out and said no. That they they they've come out and said they can have sex and they can reproduce that way.
1: Yeah. I, I thought it was because there was the blue hue to the, this is fucking horrific. When you think about him pulling a baby out of a dead mm. woman's stomach, um, but it had this blue alien esque look to it so that I was just automatically assumed it was Zeus's baby. And she was his quote unquote wife. I didn't like that. I didn't think it was necessary. Uh,
3: that's what I, I thought. The exact same thing at first. I thought, well, she must have been pregnant to start with, but then how hey, that baby was a lot more developed than the time span of the world falling apart and that point. So, in a in a world of all this other crazy shit going down, why wouldn't you? Why not? What the tiger could have been pregnant as well. Yeah, the other fuck knows? <laughs> but if it was an alien parasite of of, of whatever, then. That would make sense, that, to create this super Zeus, <laughs> alien-zombie-human hybrid thing. What, <laughs> mm. I mean, I, I'd long since given up trying to exp- make sense of any of it by this point. And, uh, <laughs> when when he, he pulled the baby out, I just burst out laughing. I thought, oh, <laughs> what's going to happen next?
1: See, was, so he over he was
3: already wearing a cape, riding a zombie horse with a tiger pet. <laughs> 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 To kind of break yeah. it down into any kind of common sense there's, literally you no know, points. I, <laughs>
2: mm. I I don't think it's a case of putting it to common sense. I think it's a case of just putting in the tip and not giving us anything else <laughs> because it's <laughs> again it's another one of those. You in more than the tip. <laughs> here's some foreboding. Here's some story. Here's something interesting. But then we're just going to take it away from you because you don't deserve it. You filthy yeah. swine. Yeah. Yeah, Do you no, know what I, I mean? And that's it's that. And yeah. and that's what that's what it was really like. Um, I don't know. It was just... It was a, it, it. was tapas instead of it being a main meal. It was a small plate of information when really you wanted to tuck in
3: the all-you-can-eat buffet of this world. I've mm. got a feeling that all them air stewardesses are going to be pregnant in the next one. After the end of the fit. Because mm-hmm. he, he's come to realise... Yeah, he knows what he is. So, once he... He, he hasn't t- fully turned, as he, went on the plane. So... He's kind of laughing about it, so, mm. and they look like that for a reason. So it wouldn't surprise me if at least one of them comes back, and the uh, the future ruler is inside of them.
1: Oh, with Vanderhoof, so thats Amari's character. Um, <clears throat> there's one thing I liked and one thing I didn't like. So the one thing I did like was, and and this was—he already had this tattoo, but he's got the Omega tattooed on his chest mm-hmm. that you noticed, and with him now being. He was bit obviously, by uh, Zeus. So Zeus was the Alpha and he's the Omega. Mm. And I thought that's quite clever, even though that was already his tattoo. And it probably wasn't planned that way. And maybe I've just thought more than is there. (laughs) But I like that idea. that, That could be something that could be played around with in the future. The one thing I didn't like, it's been at least 12 hours between him being bitten and him turning. Because he was bitten before he went into the vault, which Mm. then exploded and everything happened and he went and stole the car and got into a plane. We've been through night time, daytime, and got back to night time and he's only just turning where everyone else turned within an hour or so. So I thought that was quite poor storytelling, like they're just changing the rules as they were going along.
3: Mm. It was only... It was only a flesh wound, though. To quote Monty Python, compared to all the other when they've been savaged and ripped apart and there's blood everywhere, he's is like a little nibble on his arm. So I, I mean, I'm trying to explain it away <laughs> with nonsense, but uh, it's who the fuck knows? Yeah, I
2: assumed I assumed they were just not making a homage to, you, but going down the Ripley. In Alien yeah. 3 route. Well, is Alien 3, always yes, Alien. Yes, sure. Alien 3. Alien 3, where because she's got the Queen, she can seemingly hibernate it for about fucking 20 days, or whatever it is. I oh, should wow. never going down that route with it.
1: Oh, that would make more sense, I suppose. Uh, one of the things I hated in this film, and they could have cut out completely, was Kate Ward, Batista's daughter. Mm. No, no, no. I thought she she ruined the flow of the film. The storyline didn't make sense. So she goes into Las Vegas purely to rescue her friend Geeta. So her whole purpose is there to find this other person. She finally tracks her down. They get onto the helicopter to escape. And then as soon as they get into the helicopter, the camera never shows Geeta again. Now, we're to assume she's in there and she died in the helicopter crash. But Kate never goes to check on her. We don't know if maybe she fell out of the fucking helicopter while uh, Big Dave and Zeus were fighting. It was never shown, and that was the whole purpose of this film was centered around this fucking character. Mm. I thought that, so. Kate basically got everyone killed just for this person, who then we don't even give a shit about because we don't know what happened to her. And
3: then the kids, <laughs> kids are left with no one to look after them.
1: Yeah. But i thought everything involving kate ruined the movie it was utterly pointless i don't know what she brought to the table
2: i think it was just to, just to give maybe some uh some heart to petit's character that you know to shoehorn a bit of a story in there about mm. the estranged father reconnecting with his daughter kind of thing which i wasn't sure it was entirely needed to be honest
3: no yeah that's all that's Literally, all she was. I mean, it, I, I, it was plaguing me. I thought, is she related to Summer Glau because she's looking very similar to her? And <laughs> now that that one's been brought up in the last few weeks as well. <laughs> well it's just go and watch Firefly get it over and done with. But great. Yes. Who knows? Who knows? It's right. it, 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 it very much seemed like not just the um, the viewer substitute kind of thing, but a. Surrogate. it's more of a case of just she's a plot device.
1: She uh, was given, jeopardy.
3: Given too many lines.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
3: I mean, there was nothing wrong with her. I mean, her performance was okay. It was just the character was like you said, not really needed.
1: Unnecessary. If they'd have cut her, they could have saved themselves 30 45 minutes easily, I think. She took up far too much screen time. Utterly pointless. <clears throat> so with this world, obviously we mentioned a few times that there are possibilities of a future. Um, there are actually at least two definites and a third possible um, series or film coming following this movie. Uh, so the first definite, we're getting a film called Army of Thieves. This is going to be set in the early days of the zombie outbreak. It is written by Shay Hatton who also who co-wrote this with Zack Snyder. And it's going to be directed, produced and starring Matthias Schwehoffer, who was um, Ludwig Dieter. It's going to be starring Natalie Emmanuel, who we know from Game of Thrones and Fast and Furious and My Dreams. And also going to be uh, Guz Khan is also going to be in it, which I'm quite looking forward to that. I thought Dita was one of the more interesting, humorous characters, and if they play that up, that's fine. It'll be a throwaway film, but I'd be quite looking forward to that. The other definite is an animated series called Army of the Dead Lost Vegas. It's a prequel to this film, again set in the early days of the outbreak, specifically within Vegas, and most of the cast from this movie are going to be returning. So everyone we've seen already, they're going to be back for this animated series. And the possible one is going to be a sequel set after this. So Zack Snyder has said that he and co-writer Shay Hatton, um, they've already done an outline for a possible sequel. So if it gets greenlit, they're all in. Um, Deborah Snyder, so Zach's wife and partner in their production company, she said that it's likely to be set in New Mexico and it will have an international feel. Um, there's more story to tell, and she knows that Zack and Shay have a lot of ideas fleshed out. If there's an appetite, then they are ready to go. Is there an appetite, Stu? Oh, hell yeah.
3: Okay. <laughs> this sounds incredible. The animated one, does it say how? Animated how? Or is it the um, Castlevania, the Netflix animated style that it seems to be kind of getting hold of at the minute?
1: Yeah, I think it is that sort of um, look. To be honest,
3: it's a bit it's it's a bit anime, but not a. Eh? It's
1: yeah, it's like a hybrid between eastern and western uh, animation styles. Um, I, I've I've only seen stills from it, but it, it looks like it's that kind of thing. Oh, even
3: better then, because I I love that Castlevania series. Mm. It, incredibly underrated, considering what it is and the game how popular the games are, and yeah it being Netflix. No one talks about it ever apart from me. (laughs) (laughs) It's very niche, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, bring it on. I can't get enough of this. I I, I genuinely really enjoy myself watching it and I I want more. (laughs) Just throw it, throw it all at me.
1: (laughs) Matt, are you excited for what's coming and what may be coming?
2: I'm not necessarily excited for the things that you mentioned there so much, but I'd like to see more of this world. And I want to see more of the story of how everything develops and everything like that. Um, I'm not... I'm, I think I've just got a, an unconscious bias against animated shows and stuff like that. I just don't have a lot of time for... for, for I've like, not watched any Clone Wars. I've not watched a lot of any of that stuff that Stu's shaking his head at. Um, yeah, I'd like to see more. and I'd like to know more about this world. If, the, if, if they released any kind of canon literature, I'd be interested in that. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? To give me more of a backstory that isn't reliant on visual spectacle. If they can, if they want to give some 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 more context in that respect, then then yeah, I'd look forward to seeing it or reading it.
0: Mm,
1: I, I agree. I, I'm quite looking forward to Army of Thieves just because I I thought the Dita was one of the more interesting, funny characters in this, and I think mm-hmm. there could be something to it. Um, but yeah, much like yourselves, there, I thought there was a germ of a really good idea in all this, and I think there is a lot to be explored.
3: I think the I think the German was a problem to start with, to be honest. Isn't <laughs>
2: that is the way? Uh,
1: so, the reviews, they have been mixed, shall we say. Uh, would you like to have a guess at what IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes out of 10 or out of 100? Stu, what do you think?
3: Well, it's it's a fun film, so I'm guessing it's going to be around about 4 or 5, something like that. <laughs> not... not... You'd have to think it all here, so five and a half, probably. Five and a half critics. Audience I don't know because so a lot of people don't like this, no do they, so their audience about seven.
1: Right. Matt, what do you think?
2: I think people living in it will be a little kinder to it. I'd say kind of six point five sixty five mm. that that sort of that sort of area.
1: So IMDb, it's got a 5.9. The Metacritics is a 57. The Rotten Tomatoes audience is a 75. And the Critics is a 69. So really, the reviews are all over the place. Mm. There's nothing you can say. No one seems to hate it, but no one seems to love it either. Uh, Looking through... Sorry, Matt, carry on.
2: Well, just for the reasons that we've explained, though, really, because... um... It's thoroughly enjoyable, but at the same time, just isn't just, just just isn't enough to get to, you know what I mean. It's this was if this was a football game, they've scored a goal, but they were part of a losing performance, so they get a seven out of ten because they've scored a goal.
3: I think if if this was a a match, it'd be like Portsmouth seven, Reading four. <laughs> it's yeah. the quality's not really all there, but it's entertaining as fucking. It's funny. But is that what you need for two and a half hours? It was for me.
1: It did the job, I suppose. Uh, the reviewers, um, nothing over the top. Well, then Actually, some were over the top with their praise and some buried it under six feet of shit. Like, it was a bit of everything, actually. Uh, Mark Kermode of Five Life fame, not great, not terrible. It really could have been 90 minutes and done the same thing, which I don't disagree with at all. I think they could have got through this a lot quicker. There were side plots that, like Kate Ward, just utterly irrelevant. Uh, Kent Garrison from Mad About Movies. Only Zack Snyder could make a movie about a Vegas casino heist during a zombie apocalypse. Not an ounce of fun. <laughs> it's actually impressive how bad of a director he is at this point. Which I think is a little bit harsh, but. Uh, Hilary A. White from the Sunday Independent. The reason Army of Dead rings hollow, despite all of these things, is that we aren't given enough to get behind when it comes to the characters, and without that, we don't come to feel their mission is necessary or the characters' lives are precious. And Donald Clark of the Irish Times, uh, working on the Netflix charge card, Snyder has the, <coughs> excuse me, Snyder has a ball pr- proving that cash can triumph on the largest scale if played with elan and enthusiasm. And Geordie Sirkin from Geordie Reviews It, Army of the Dead d- delivers great zombie carnage, funny comedic moments, and an unexpected winding set of potential uh, theories. <clears throat> so the reviews are kind of all over the place, but I also think the film was kind of all over the place, so I do mm. get that, really. Uh, I mean, my review would be, if I was to it would be that it's an excellent start a middling middle and a bit of a shit ending I kind of feel wholly I feel a little bit unsatisfied if I'm being perfectly honest with it Hey would you review it Stu I mean I know you said you love it but sum it up in a pithy sentence if possible
3: If you can leave your brain at the door you'll fully enjoy it if you want something with a bit more of Substance to it, then you're not going to get it with this. Mm. Simple,
1: mass. Can you, um, can you review this film in 280 characters?
3: I can,
2: much like its opening scene. The anecdote to this film would be about getting a blowjob in a car. Sounds great in theory, and it probably starts off really well. Well, by the end of it, you know it's just not being done correctly and you wished it was all over.
3: <laughs> you never had that one, it, in the cards, To be honest. Not, not what I've mi- it turns like I'm missing out. Did it hurt your jaw too much? I was going to say, you yeah. don't grow, Stu, you, so you're going to give up. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one way to pay for all these toys in this house. <laughs>
1: Speaking of 280 characters, Matt, I think we've had some <laughs> listener reviews.
2: Yes, we have. And we've had some absolute crackers as well. There's some really weak, odd uh, f- For Twitter, which usually is the dirge of society, um, we've had some really good and insightful reviews. So Todd um, said, It was meh. If it wasn't for the tiger, it would have been a waste of a movie. Very little character development and weak story. Nothing really made you care about the characters. Zack Snyder has done two zombie movies and each movie had a zombie baby. It's a bit weird, (laughs) which is absolutely right. Yeah. And I think we've, we've talked about that character development. Um, Sconus shall rule again. Matt Cunnington, first time kind of um, interaction with the show. So um, thank you very much. Finally watched it last night. Very meh. Romero's film had a message. This didn't seem to, if the whole mission was to get the blood of a super zombie, they could have achieved that straight off out the container, use the cord gun, snag queen zombies head and go, which actually, yeah, yeah, they, why, why the ruse of trying to break into the bank and do everything else and make that mission all the more dangerous to risk them not getting what they needed. Mm. Massively fair point. That. That's something I hadn't even thought of. Um Dwayne Brown, again, another contributor that's new to us in, at Invisible Labs. Zack Snyder makes bro equivalent of Hallmark movies. <laughs> so
1: as perfect. um
2: yeah as friend of the show um well we think he's our friend he probably doesn't tom stayed um <laughs> says you know he talks about the hallmark movies and how they're very very set in the same kind of plot and the same tropes over and over and over again mm-hmm. um and zach snyder yeah does make the high-fiving jort wearing equivalent of these i guess Absolutely fair point. Uh, Ash Dolan, the problem with this film is it was too middle of the road, not good enough to be great and not shit enough to be memorable. Some fantastic gore in death scenes isn't enough to save it from being a pretty forgettable zombie heist movie.
1: Yeah.
2: Again, pretty fair. But the greatest review of a film that you'll ever hear is from Andrew Wright. Now, I don't know if Stu will understand this, so I want Stu to tell me if he gets it. But you might not, because you need to know mm, it's a bit too much. Dude, the love I had for this film was non-existent. A checklist of other and better films, Aliens, Dawn of the Dead, Predator. Also, considering the film was set in the desert, the amount of cactus on screen was jack. I just hope for mankind we see a better zombie film soon. (laughs) It's very good, isn't it, really? I love that You need to read the tweet um, when you you see this. But, uh, Andrew, excellent work, my friend. You are welcome on any time with a review like that, because... I think we will be kindred spirits in our Absolutely. love of uh, the secrets mentioned in this tweet. <laughs> Thank you, guys, though, for your, um, for your reviews. Very, very nice job.
1: Yep, summed it up perfectly. So, have got two questions left for you fellas. <clears throat> Actually, three. Um, anyone who hasn't yet watched this film, who has stuck with us to this point, are you recommending this movie to them? Stu, I know you've been... Enthusiastic about it? Are you telling them that they need to be uh, streaming this one?
3: Yeah, even though we, we've kind of—if you listen to this all this way through—and it doesn't matter what we've told you because you'd still enjoy it because it's funny. It's funny and it's nonsense. So if if that's your bag, then just go go and do it. It's free. Well, everyone's got Netflix, so it's free.
1: Yeah, Matt, are you recommending folks uh, give it a chance? Yeah, yeah, I am.
2: I am. I think it's. Um, if not just to not feel left behind in the world, (laughs)
1: like
2: (laughs) just what, but yeah, you know, there's enough, there's enough enjoyment there that I think one of its overriding positives is that it plagiarizes that many things that there's going to be something you enjoy in it. And so for that reason, you will find some pleasure in it somewhere.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I would also recommend people watch it. I know I haven't been that enthusiastic about it, but I thought it was interesting that, that's probably the best I can say about this film. It was interesting, the stuff there to get, you, get mm-hmm. you through it. Plus, even though I wasn't a massive fan of Zack Snyder putting music videos in Justice League, I thought the few musical cues in this, <laughs> so the the couple of times we hear Richard Cheese and the Elvis at the beginning, I thought they were really well done. Mm. Like I was actually invested in the music videos that he did this time round, so just for those alone, I would say give it a chance. I think Ash put it when uh, when Ash said that it's um what is it? It was never good enough to be great, and it was never bad enough to be memorable. I I think there are some very good moments in it, and I think the bad stuff it, it does outweigh the bad, generally speaking. So I would definitely say to to give it a stream. At a two and a half hours, you know there are worse things you could be doing with than watching this one. So, would you cast Nick Cage in this movie? Personally, I don't think I would. Because the Cage we all want to see is the crazy Cage. And if we got crazy Cage, the only role that's crazy enough would be Dieter. And I I Mm. really liked that dude. I I wouldn't want to see Cage take his place, actually. So, this is the first time I'm saying I wouldn't want to see Cage in this film. Stu, would you, and if you would, who would you replace? Identical.
3: No, and <laughs> um, for that reason. Unless you put him in shitloads of makeup and made him into Zeus, but then you change the complete character into I mean, has has Cage done something like that? That I can't think off the top of my head. Other than Colour, which um mm. I can't think of him wearing that much makeup to be viable in that kind of role. So no, no, I wouldn't. Cage for his own.
1: I mean to be fair as well, Zeus. Like, that dude looks like he belongs on Mount Olympus. And with the best will in the world, Cage isn't that person any longer. So I don't think no. that would work. So, but yeah. Matt, what do you the think? The only
2: person who I think could, so if we were forced at gunpoint to do, would have been uh, Taraka and have him be the one that's running the show. And is mm. the that's the only person who I think could pull it off. Um but no, I don't think you know Cage isn't a bit part player. I know he didn't want to be left behind, but he's not a he's not a bit part player, do you know what I mean? So I don't I don't think he would have fit in this film very
1: well. No, perfect. And then finally I want you to finish off the sentence if you enjoyed Army of the Dead, you may also like Matt.
2: I'm going to i rep- <laughs> I'm going to recommend a romantic film now. Because right. you know me, I'm full of romance. You're all about um, the love. I'm all about the love. Um, Warm Bodies, 2013's oh, oh, Warm sorry. Bodies. Is that yours, <laughs> Stu? <issue? laughs> sorry, sorry <laughs> Stu. Um, yeah. Now, the reason I say this is because, for all the right reasons, um, this film was a different take on the zombie genre. And Warm Bodies sounds absolutely horrendous on the off, <laughs> on the off set. But it's actually excellent. And oh. it's a really playful and... Well thought out and just different zombie film that um, has no right to be as good as it is, and it, it, it's actually quite excellent. Um, and everyone said shit. Everyone should see it, but I doubt many people have seen it.
3: Yeah, and you could actually get zombie babies in that, in theory. Um, <laughs> that's why that was the angle I was coming at it from. <laughs> not for any thoughts. On the spot, I wouldn't say watch anything because that's been stolen from me. I'd go and play Dying Light. Because if you want to just shoot and destroy loads of zombies, you got left 4 dead as well. And mm. this did get when I was watching this when they were destroying hordes and hordes of people, it did get me in the in the mood to go and start Days Gone, you know?
0: Mm. And I know that's free mm.
3: on the um it was on PlayStation Plus last month. So if you haven't might as well give it a go. But yeah, that's what I was I was thinking at the time. I thought I'm in the mood to just slice through people now. And they are the same thing. They run at you as well, like they did in this. So yeah, yeah, they do. Well, the second one's been announced only a couple, of awesome trailers
2: have come out for the second one only this week. Um, yeah, Light's an incredible game. It, the, well, there's basically two of them anyway. The the DLC is that big. It's a second game.
3: Yeah. Uh, excellent as well. Not for you, Andy. It's first person and it's ah, like parkour. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's
1: definitely on. You just reminded me of another film there, Matt. So there's a film called Life After Beth, and it's about yes. a guy whose girlfriend comes back from the dead when he's already, or he's just moving on. It's starring Dane Hahn, Aubrey Plaza, John C. Reilly, and Anna Kendrick. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. It's a The film itself is okay, but I, that's a cast I love, so i give that one. But the film I was going to recommend is a film called The Girl With All The Gifts. Uh, which is a zombie film released about five years ago now, and it is Gemma Arterton. Um, It does explain the zombie outbreak that it is a sort of pollen that is infecting people. Um, It's really good. She plays a teacher where she's trying to protect her students, and one of her students happens to be the cure to this zombie disease. It's really good. It was filmed in Dudley, in parts, in the West <laughs> Midlands, for, for our international uh, listeners, like about five miles from where we're sat now. And other parts were filmed in um, Stoke-on-Trent, uh, actually opposite my old office. So I remember watching the film, like, I recognise those areas. And there was a reason, because I've actually been there like that very day.
2: Well, that's a very clever move, that is, from the through the directors there because they wouldn't have needed to have made it look like the end of the world. Just gone gone straight to Stoke.
1: Yeah. Well, I I even um, sent in my CV to try and get into the film because they were after extras.
2: No way. That's quite cool. That is slightly disappointed because when you said uh, Gemma uh, Arterton, I immediately thought you were talking about Gemma Atkinson uh, of 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 Hollyoak fame.
3: Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, but I love Gemma Arterton. She's like, the uh, St Trinians with the long, dark, bobbed hair was just peak Gemma Artisan for me.
3: Mm. Gemma <laughs> Atkinson was another poster on the wall the situation from a few weeks ago. Uh... But oh, while we're, uh, while we're <laughs> just throwing out all zombie stuff, let's uh, hopefully one-time friend of the show, if we ever get there, Raoul Coley and zombie oh,
1: that'd, that'd be the dream, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's such a clever twist on the, the zombie genre. Um, brilliant call that is, Steve. Have you seen that one, Matt? I think you have. Haven't.
2: I've it's seen. I've watched it through, Sam. Like it's been on. I've watched an episode or two at a time. Then I've come back like five episodes later, and I've said, "Oh, what's happened to XYZ? Why is so and so doing this? Why is so and so doing that?" Hmm.
3: It's um, a, it's a bit like the um, Sunset Overdrive as well. That's kind of monsters based on an energy drink. All
1: mm. oh, right. Okay. I didn't know that
2: fantastic it's not right
1: oh okay right <laughs> <laughs> superb so that is us done for another week it's a question cast up next time uh we'll put out a call for our questions um probably later today if i remember i will make a note as soon as we're done um uh, make sure you've got us followed on your pod catcher and that you've got us on the Twitter at Cage Fighting Pod. Get your emails into CageFightingPod at gmail.com, please. And if you could leave us a review, you know we'll love you forever. <clears throat> so for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, guys. Look after yourself. Stu, would you like to say goodbye?
3: It's a goddamn zombie tiger that's crossing the line. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's goodbye from me. And remember, be excellent to each other.
2: There's a version of this movie that's that was shot in the 80s that's just a mindless shoot-em-up, you know, soldiers versus zombies in a casino. Can you talk about yeah. how you guys worked on those human moments amidst the, the carnage so that we would care about your characters?
0: Sure. I mean that, that so that was what uh what drew me to this film because initially when I heard about the film, I thought it sounded interesting. And uh But I wasn't as, uh, you know, as a performer, I wasn't interested in the project because I was really looking for roles that would afford me the opportunity to perform and be an actor and do some actors, some, you know, some dramatic stuff. I wanted to showcase my range as an actor. Um, And a lot of times you just can't do it when you're playing an action hero. Uh, So I thought that's what the film was. And then I was asked to read the script and I did. And I started looking at it differently. And I started looking at the character of Scott Ward differently because I realized that everything else, you know, the zombie apocalypse, the, the heist aspect, there was all kind of backdrop to the real heart of the story, which was a redemption story between Scott Ward and his daughter. So I looked at it like that and I focused on that. And I had the conversation with Zach about, you know, diving in deeper to this character and making it even richer, richer and making him even more emotional and giving him more depth. And Zach said he would allow me the freedom to do that, and he actually welcomed it, which is why he wanted me to play the role. And so I was like, man, sign me up, because that's, that's what I'm after. Like, I, I get to do a, like accomplish a lot of things in this film. Like, I get to be that badass, but I also get to be like a, an emotional guy, an unpredictable action hero, you know, which you don't see a lot, because you, know, you usually know what you're gonna get with an action guy. But if you give them some heart, give them some depth and think outside the box and think, this guy is a human, and you get people to invest in him emotionally, then people get invested in the film emotionally because they're invested in the story. And that's what you do to make a successful film. Take people on a roller coaster, get them involved. And, you know, every once in a while, just, you know, make them laugh. You make them laugh, you make them cry, you scare them a little bit, and you give them a very strong ending that leaves them wanting more. And that's like a winning formula. That would work.
3: Copy that.